take time to be holy. That's a, that's a truth that we oftentimes ignore, that we, we have to pursue holiness on purpose. And uh, it's, it's not something that just happens automatically. It's not a, uh, as far as holiness is concerned, it's not a, um, a flip of the switch. You know, we, we utter the sinner's prayer and automatically we are now perfect. It doesn't work that way. Now, the moment of salvation, I become justified. And I am seen by God himself as just, just as if I had never sinned. But the sanctification process of becoming more and more and more like the person of Jesus Christ is just that. It's a process, and it's something that we yield ourselves to. It's something that we um, must uh, allow. You know, and when we looked in this uh, uh, passage here in Philippians chapter number 2, and go ahead and turn there if you would as, we're, as I'm going through the introduction, Philippians chapter number 2, uh, as we looked at this, verse number 5 kind of jumps off the page. It's, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is a conscious decision. Let. It's a, for lack of a better grammar maybe, it's a permitting something to take place. And so when I become a child of God, the Holy Spirit of God indwells me, the believer. However, the mind of Christ is something that more and more takes over, and the Apostle Paul referred to it as dying daily. Uh, Jesus um, uh, said, take up your cross daily and follow me. This is something that we, uh, that we, do, not, uh, that we do not just miraculously attain this mind of Christ. Rather, it is something that we submit ourselves to and that as God, we looked last week, as God works in us, uh, then uh, slowly those things begin to change that we have struggled so long with and those things that are worked in us become seen on the outside by our working to do good works. Ephesians in chapter 2, he says, uh, he says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Salvation is by grace alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is nothing that I can do to attain salvation. However, once salvation has taken place, it says we are saved unto good works. And so I do not work in order to attain salvation. I work as a result of my salvation. And that's just about as hillbilly as you can get to put your uh, soda water right there on the pulpit and let everybody have to view your can of pop, right? But um, let's take a look at uh, Philippians chapter number 2. We're going to start in verse 12 uh, for context's sake, and we'll read through verse number 18. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. If you just pause for a minute before we continue our reading, this verse right here, verse number 16, is the heartbeat of most every true preacher of the gospel. That when we preach, that our work would not be in vain. Look at verse 17. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would bless now the reading of your word. And Father, that your word would be correctly, rightly divided today. That Father, as we get into your word, Lord, we would see more of us through the mirror. And we would examine ourselves and our hearts and our lives. And Father, that we would understand the beautiful privilege, the awesome opportunity that we do have in, in knowing more about you. And that, Lord, as you work in us, Father, we get the privilege of shining the gospel to the rest of this world by allowing that to be worked on the outside. So, Father, use us in a mighty way, we pray. Hide us behind your cross. Fill me now, Lord, with your spirit. Allow me, Father, to be spent for your sake. And, Father, for the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. If you take a look, as we saw last week, God does a work in us in an effort to make us holy. We looked at this closely last week. This term for holy is the same word where we see holiness. We also see uh, uh, sanctification. We looked at that in Thessalonians where it says this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Uh, we looked closely at his working in us, changing us, uh, and he changes our will. Notice that there in, verse, uh, in, in chapter number 12. It says in verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, this is something that he changes in us. He changes our will from our personal wants, our personal desires, our personal selfish and self-centered ambitions. Now, there, there's a lot of things, you know, we can look at. And, well, well uh, I, I, I enjoy going and playing this game, or I enjoy going and, and uh, seeing movies, or I enjoy um, playing music. Is, is it wrong for me to pursue that? Absolutely not, as long as it's kept in the correct contents of why we are given those gifts and attributes and abilities. And so as far as uh, my personal ambitions and my personal goals in life, I have to look at, is my ambition to become this or to do that or to achieve that, is it for God's glory or for my own glory? 
And see, this is what the, what the work of God in us begins to change. Is it, it makes in me the desire. It's no longer a desire to be the, the most popular, the most famous for my benefit, but rather it is for the benefit of him and for others to be able to see him. If I am seen by other people, I want them to see him, not me. And so my will begins to change. And my desires begin to change. I start to look at the things in my life. And maybe I'm holding on to something that I know is not uh, pleasing to the Lord. But I'm holding on to it because it's something I want and I desire. As God works in me and I begin to work out what he's working in me, I I, I desire now to please him, to make him happy, to glorify him. And so I'm willing to let go now of those things that I was holding on to in the past that I knew did not please him. But before we go any further, I, I, I believe we need to explain just a little bit more. Uh, I think we need to dig in just a little bit more and define this term where, uh, that we see in working out. Look there in verse number 12 with me once more, please. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Notice this, this term, work out. Now he talks about your own salvation. Now salvation is something that is is assumed in this. It is something that uh, you know, Paul is not saying work for your salvation. He is not saying work to gain salvation. He says work it out. Now, for me to understand a little bit more about this, it's not a, uh, uh, again, salvation is not a progression. Sanctification is a progression. So I need to understand what he is saying here with this term working out. This term workout is from the Greek word, it's kater gadzomai. Now, here's a big word for you, kater gadzomai. Now, the the term uh, literally means to perform to completion. It can actually be used in the sense of a miner digging in a mine until he has completely exhausted that mine of its resources. So not just to, to, uh, uh, to perform to completion, but to expend all of its resources. So picture yourself as a, and uh, in, in maybe you, you're from coal mine countries or, or something of that nature, and, and a mine is open, and people are going in, and they're mining, they're pulling all the coal out, and all of a sudden, they get to the place where they go, there's no more coal left. And the mine has been completely emptied of its resources. This is the idea when it comes to work out your own salvation daily. What he's saying is complete it. Bring it all the way to completion, in, 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 not in the sense that you have not completed your salvation until you get to a certain stage, but in the sense of you have salvation, now use every ounce of its benefit. It, 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 it would make no sense for someone to, to have a gold mine and never go in to get the gold out. <laughs> you know, people can say, you, you, you watch, I, I like westerns. I love watching western movies. And one of my favorites is the Apple Dumpling Gang. And you got those kids, they're constantly going to that mine. They're constantly digging in that mine, right? I love watching the Apple Dumpling Gang, especially when that, they got a big boom happens and everything. And then that, that, there's the gold, right? This is the idea. If someone said, I have a mine full of gold, 
And you say to them, well, have you gotten any of it out? No. Why not? Well, I got one piece, and I know that there's gold still in there, but I'm okay with the one little piece I got. This is what Paul's saying. He says, get your pick, get your shovel, get in there, and start mining for gold. Start digging it out. Start getting those resources out. If you have been saved by the Holy Spirit, if you have been given uh, uh, this, uh, this wondrous gift, and the, uh, the, the, the God that created you has gloriously saved you, and you have this salvation gift, he says, get in there and start enjoying the richness, the glory, the splendor that has been afforded you. Work it out. But there's a lot of people who are happy with the little nugget that they have taken and there's a whole mine full of gold that they're never digging up. This is what the Apostle Paul's talking about. He says, you have salvation. <laughs> Enjoy it. Enjoy it now. Listen, one of the signs of someone who has been utilizing their resources will be seen and evidenced in the way they live and in their attitudes notice what he's talking about there in verses 12 and 13 god is doing all these things in you to do to, to bring you about to the uh, to change your will to use you for his glory for his honor his good pleasure work out all of this uh, this wondrous opportunity how do i know pastor that i've been working in the mind do all things verse 14 without murmurings and disputing you catch that? Paul's talking about digging in the mine of your salvation to pull it all out. Don't just wait for one day where you're going to be able to enjoy heaven. Enjoy it now. Enjoy the salvation that you've been given now. And then he follows it up with, do all things without complaint. Don't argue. Don't complain. I didn't say it. I'm just reading it. If God is working, if God is working in the life of a believer, understand this, there is never a legitimate reason to complain. <laughs> Paul puts it right here in black and white to do, okay, let's, let's see if we can read this correctly here. Do... Most things without murmurings and disputings. That, that's, that's not what's, um, let me see here. Do the majority without murmurings, and, no. Do all things with the people you love without murmuring and disputing. Okay, wait a minute, I'm supposed to love everybody. So let's say, do all things with the people you like without murmuring and disputing. No. Do all things without murmurings and disputing. Well, it's too hot in here. It's too cold in here. It's too this. It's too that. I don't like the color. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. He's sitting on my side of the bench. I put the, the line there, and he's crossing the line. You remember? That's the way it was when we were growing up. We didn't have all the different seats and stuff. We had the one big, long bench seat in the back. You know, we had those uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the station wagons. Man, I love those station wagons. Those things were awesome. I'd like to have a station wagon today. 
I think it's just about amazing. You get that whole big, huge. And when you were a kid and you got to lay and play around in the back of the station wagon, everybody fought for the back. Everybody today fights for the front seat. It's like, no, I want the back, man. I want to be back there in the station. And then you pretended like you had a bazooka and you were shooting the cars that were behind you. But you always, you'd take that, especially if there, was just, if there was just two of you in the bench seat, right? You'd take that middle seat belt and you'd stretch it along the middle of the seat and you'd, don't cross that line. And sure enough, the person would be going. Mom! He's crossing the line. <laughs> yeah, right? Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Ugh, that person's sitting in my chair. Ugh, that person sang a song I didn't like. Ugh, how come they never asked me to do that stuff? Ugh, well, I don't like the way we, why do we have to start at 11? Ugh, do all things without murmurings and disputings. If God is working in the life of a believer, catch this. If he is truly working in your life, what have you to complain about? <laughs> I have the creator of the universe dwelling inside me. Who cares about any of this trivial stuff that's going on in the world? Well, election season's coming up, preacher. My candidate had better win. Or I'm going to have a horrible four, four years ahead of me. If God is dwelling within you, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Obedience, get this, obedience must be carefully and cheerfully willing. This is what it's talking about when he says, he, he starts going through all this stuff back in verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. This obedience thing, we looked at that closely last week, but let's now bring it down to verse 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. In other words, obey cheerfully. Well, I know my boss said to do it this way, and I really can't stand that guy. I'm going to do it because that's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> or I can do it without the murmuring, without the arguing. This kind of has the idea of it, of, a, um, of, of the Israelites. Get, go back to Exodus with me. Keep your hand in Philippians, and let's look back at Exodus Look at Exodus um, chapter 16. Look at Exodus chapter 16 and verse number. Look at verse number 7. <clears throat> and in the morning, then, ye shall see the glory of the Lord. For that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are ye that ye murmur against us? And Moses said, 
This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. If you look over into the next chapter, you have the same thing over the, over the water. Verse number 1 of chapter 17, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin uh, after the journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses. Catch that. Some, some may say, well, I don't, I don't murmur against God. I don't complain to God. I don't complain about God. I complain about some of these people in my life, right? Look, verse number two. Wherefore, the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for, uh, there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us out of Egypt to kill us with our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people that be almost ready to stone me? And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on uh, before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel and of thy rod, wherewith thou smitest, smotest the river, and take thine hand, and go, and behold... Uh, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and all the pe- and he called the name of the place Massa uh, and Meribah because of the ch- uh, chiding of the children of Israel, and because they, notice this, tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? I don't know about you, but I don't remember seeing necessarily that these people were chiding against the Lord. It looked like they were chiding against Moses, right? They were arguing against God's man. They were denying the thought that God was still leading them. They were tempting God, saying, are you with us or not? Are you going to give us something to drink or are you going to let us die? Well, Pastor Andy, I don't, I don't argue with, with I, don't, I, I don't murmur and I don't dispute with God. I murmur and dispute with other people. I guess God's not powerful enough to use those other people in your life. We are His church. We are His bride. We are His chosen people. Now, I'm I'm not saying that the church took the place of Israel. I'm saying that the church ought to act better than the Israelites acted back then. That's what I'm saying. And what Paul's trying to get across here is, look, don't complain, don't grumble, don't moan. There shouldn't be any dissemination amongst yourselves. The life of the believer must be of life marked by continual progression. Look at verse uh, uh, 15 with me here in Philippians chapter 2 now. Verse number 15 begins explaining the why. Verse number 14 was sort of the what. So it says in verse 14, do all things without murmuring and disputing. Here's, Here's why. Verse 15. 
that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. We'll get to verse 16 here in just a moment. Blameless and harmless. You know, as I said, that the life of the believer must be marked by continual progression. This is, this is something that many people take and they just kind of toss off to the side. But these terms, blameless and harmless, the life of the believer should be one of faultlessness. Well, Pastor Andy, I'm not perfect. I understand that. But those things that you can control, do you? Do you try? Blameless and harmless being a life of faultlessness and sincerity. I honestly am trying to do my best. In other words, the life of the believer is continuing to move closer and closer to holiness. It's a a step-by-step progress. Okay, I'm I'm making my way more and more. Here's my old life right back here. That's my old life. And now I'm moving closer and closer toward holiness. My uh, I I can see the, the cross of Christ ahead of me. I can see sanctification. That's where Jesus is. This is where I am. That's where I used to be. And I'm going to keep moving and keep making my way ever closer and closer and more and more like the person of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to be happy to stay right here where I am. And I'm sure not happy to go back to where I was. I'm not what I was. I'm not what I need to be yet. But am I staying stagnant right here? because the life of a true believer is never stagnant. The child of God needs to be always moving closer and closer. And when I get to the place where I'm like, eh, I'm good enough. Whoa. That's a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous place to where I can look back and I can see that's where I was. I can look ahead and I can see that's where I need to be. But I'm okay right here. Would to God that we never, never get to that place. That we are never going to be uh, content to be just status quo right where we are. God forbid that ever be the case. But I want you to notice something else. Look what he says here. Blameless and harmless. The life of a believer should be one of faultlessness and sincerity. But look what else in verse number 15. The sons of God without rebuke. Wow. You know, the question really kind of comes down to, to this. A- 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 am I living a life before Mankind, before the rest of this world, am I living a life full of rebuke or as the Son of God? When people in this world see my life, do they see someone who is not much different than you and I are? Not much different than they are, should I say? Do they see someone that, wow, (laughs) that's someone different? I love studying the old prophets. I love Elijah and Elisha. And whenever Elisha would enter into the town, they would say, there comes the man of God. 
They knew it without having, they, they knew it. His life was different. His life was marked. It was a change. I love hearing, hearing testimonies of people who, who, you know, someone said, I, I've heard people tell me before, you know, this person, man, I knew him years ago. And you want to talk about a different person? One of my friends that I used to work with when I was uh, running the wrong direction in life, Dan Kelsch. He and I worked together, and we we did the dumbest stuff together. We were just not good people. I'm just going to be honest, not good people. And a couple years went, and he and I had lost contact. And uh, a couple years went by, and one day I'm sitting down in the house, and I'm watching TV or something in my apartment, and there was a knock at the door. And I go to the door, and I open up, and here stands this skinny little fella. And I had to do a double take because he, I mean, he, he had, his physical had just completely changed. And, and, and I looked, and I said, Dan? He said, yeah. I said, man, come on in. So we sit down, and we're trying to catch up, and he's letting me know that he's been, he's been sober now for two years, and and uh, that's why he had lost all the weight and, you know, this, that, and the other. We were talking with one another and conversing. And, and uh, we were both kind of beating around the bush because I, I knew what he was like. <laughs> and he knew what I was like. And neither one of us wanted to hear anything about Jesus. And so finally, I can't remember who, which one it was, whether it was me or him. One of us made the comment about been going to church and that struck something. And I started talking. I said, Dan, I could see there was something different. I said, you got saved, didn't you? He said, yeah. He said, how do you know? I said, I could see you're not who you once were. And we sat and he shared his testimony with me about how he had, uh, he had met some people, met some friends, and, and they had gloriously shared the gospel with him. And I hit my knees and I said, I'm sorry. Because I knew the truth. And I never shared it with him. And he and I had a wonderful, sweet time of talking with one another and sharing uh, the, the way God has been working in our lives. And he said, he said, you're not who you were either. And we just spent the time rejoicing in that little one-bedroom apartment. I could see he was now a son of God without rebuke. Does that mean that he was perfect? No. But it wasn't this, well, I'm a Christian now, but I still like to do this over here. I'm a Christian now, but I still like to you know, enjoy this. I'm a Christian now, but I'm going to continue to go over here to these places I'm not supposed to go. I'm a Christian now, but I'm going to continue to watch the same kind of television I used to watch. I'm a Christian now, but I'm going to continue to go do all the, uh, all the drink and all the corrals and all that. I'm a Christian. No, it doesn't work that way. Without rebuke. Can I be candid for a minute? It blows my mind. Now, I, I don't get on social media very much at all. I get on to do church stuff, and, 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 and that's really it. But it, it, 
boggles my mind. The things I hear people are posting on social media that claim to be children of God. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm a child of God. And, but I'm going to post all this kind of garbage. I'm sorry. My Bible says that they may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke. It's, going to, it's one thing for a child of God to, uh, to not live a life that's pleasing to God. It's another thing for them to completely air it out into the public culture and let God be made a mockery of. <laughs> one of the reasons I'm not on social media is because I would live my life mad. Because how dare we claim the name of Christ and then drag his name through the mud? That ought never be the case. Now, we are expected to appear, catch this, we are under a microscope whether we want to to be or not, and we are expected to appear before this world as blameless so that we can present God's word as true. You see that? Look what he says there, that you may be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. In the midst of all that is going on, understand something. Everything that is just downright nasty, just about, I know not everything, but let's just be honest. The majority of the garbage that we find on the internet originated in our country. And in the midst of a crooked and perverse world, we ought to be different. We ought to take time to be holy. Many today would rather, oh, God's loving and God's merciful. And so rather than pursue holiness, I'm just going to excuse my sin and just Lean on the mercy of God and on the, on the love, 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 love of God. No, please. Please no. Whether you like it or not, you bear the name of Jesus Christ. This world is examining your life. And they ought to. Think about that. You're asking someone to change their entire way of thinking by leaving whatever worldview they may espouse and coming to follow Christ. That's a huge thing. Quit worrying about yourself, follow Him. Quit trying to make yourself happy, follow Him. That's a huge thing. And here's exactly what I would do if I was in their position. What they should do is they would look and they would see, huh, is there enough evidence to make me think that? is better than that. We may not be perfect, but we can try to live in such a way so that we don't purposefully bring reproach on the name of God. Verse 16, holding forth the word of life. Why would I want to live blameless without reproach? Well, my life is to reveal the truth of God's word. 
that's really what it comes down to. Does your life reveal sanctification? Does your life in front of others reveal that God is working in you? Can someone say, you know, what you used to be? And I can tell you're still moving this direction. Is there enough evidence in my life to show that I'm trying to become more like Him regularly? Is there evidence of a true conversion in your life? If there's not, this passage ought to bring great fear and trepidation. Holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. You see, when a life does not match the gospel, and the gospel is... Christ died for my sins. He was buried. And He rose again the third day. So I am dead to my sins. The old me has been buried and put to death, put away permanently. And I have too been raised to walk in a newness of life. Then I should start to examine some things. And there are questions that should be asked. Is there evidence of a true conversion in your life? Look at verse 17 and 18 with me. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice in me. Can I... Can I just put my heart out there for a minute? If you've ever been a parent, you may understand this. Where you're, you want so much more for your children than they understand or realize that you want. Not because of what you want in their life, but what you want for their life. It's, you know, it's, if, if I was getting ready to make dinner and I was going to make T-bone steaks, but the kids come and say, Mom, can I have a Pop-Tart? And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm getting ready to make steak. And it's going to be the, it's not going to be the garbage steak that you have to bring out, you know, you got to bring out a chainsaw and cut it with it. No, nice, tender, juicy steak that sat in brine all night long. And it's been sitting, I got it out, and it sat on the counter, and it's warmed up to room temperature right before you slap that on the grill. Mmm. And it just, you can you don't even need a knife. You just take your fork and go. Oh, slathered in butter, Parmesan cheese, garlic, onions. And it just... Someone says, you got any A1? You don't even need it. Don't even need the A1. Just enjoy what God has provided. You think, can I have a Pop-Tart? Like, no. I'm getting ready to make dinner, man. 
You see, parents want for their kids so much more than oftentimes we want for ourselves. As a pastor, what keeps me up at night is I want so much more for God's people. And many of them want for themselves. I know what's in that mine. I know what that gold mine holds. And people are happy walking around with a little tiny pebble saying, I've got my salvation and I'm okay. But the mine is full. And they don't want to enjoy it. And I wonder to myself, why? Why are we happy wallowing around in the slop and the mud and the muck and the mire going, I've got my little piece of gold. And one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to be able to enjoy more of it. When you can enjoy it today, he says, work it out. But people all over this world are not enjoying what salvation has to offer. Are you enjoying the riches of salvation today? Are you? Now, now before people get, yep, yep, that's me. He must be talking to somebody else. How much? The mine is full, and you cannot expend the resources. <laughs> Yes, there's coming a day where we'll be in His presence, but guess what? I can be in His presence now. Are you enjoying the riches that salvation has to offer all of them? Or are you too busy holding on to something else of this world? Satisfied right where you are. I don't need to pursue any further. I'm not what I was. I'm not where I could be, but I'm okay right here. If that's your mindset, can I be blunt? Be afraid. Be afraid. Far too many try to enjoy everything that this world has to offer when they had this treasure chest available to them. Listen, 3 John 4 says, No greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. This is what John was talking about. And Paul was making mention of it here in verse 17 18. If I be offered upon the sacrifice of service for your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. There's no greater joy for a pastor <laughs> And to see someone under their teaching move closer to Christ. You know, as a, as a counselor, sometimes I have people come and, and, and they're seeking counsel from me. And, and my goal is not that they would become dependent on me. My goal is that they would come to fall in love with Christ and that through that love of Christ they would become more and more like Christ and that as a result of that they don't need me. As a pastor my goal 
is to get people who are so enamored with the person of Jesus Christ that they fall in love with him and they want more and more and more of him. And before too long, they're calling me and teaching me something. Far too many are happy with the little bit that they get on Sunday morning. And they quit digging in the mine the rest of the week. Please understand. What I present on Sunday morning is only a fraction of what God has done in my heart through the week. Unless you're going to sit with me every single day for hours on end. People are like, how in the world can you talk so long? How in the world can you preach that long? How in the world can you do a Bible study that long? Oh my goodness. You don't want me to pour out everything that God has shown me in His Word. But it's there for you. If you work it out. Dig. Be rejoicing. I'm going to rejoice right with you. Is your life causing joy? Or is your life bringing a reproach? Let's get serious for just a moment. Let's take time to be holy. This is not just doing nice things. But living blameless. This is not giving money. It's living a life that is well-pleasing to the Lord. Well, I, I, I do stuff at the church. I sing at the church. Listen, anybody can sing a song on a Sunday morning. Anybody can sing a special. Anybody can, anybody can perform a task. And those are all great and wonderful, and I'm appreciative of the people that do. But live a life for Him. Not for what you're doing here. Live out the gospel. Don't spend so much time trying to enjoy everything that this world has to offer. And then just plan on enjoying heaven later. No. Dig in that gold mine. Until you can't dig anymore. Father. I thank you, Lord, for the truth found in your word that we do have the opportunity to know you more dearly, that we do have the opportunity to, uh, to dig in your word and to, uh, to grow, to draw closer to you. Father, we can enjoy the fruits and the benefits of salvation now. Father, help us, Lord, to not be so lazy about it. But Father, help us, Lord, to be men and women who have a desire to know you better. To work out what you're working in. We thank you, Lord, that you do, you do work in us. You try to. So, Father, help us, Lord, to examine 
and work it out, to be people committed to living lives blameless, harmless, without reproach. And Father, that we would take time to be holy. We pray these things in your Son's name and for His sake. Amen.